Good morning. It's Wednesday, so that means it's time for Bible class at our Safe Harbor Church. And that um, consists now, this month, of me placing our Revelation classes online and hope you're enjoying those. Getting quite a few views and shares, and we really do appreciate the views and the shares. Sharing is caring. Um, if you want to know more about what's going on, you can always go to OurSafeHarbor.com or on YouTube. You've already found us, Our Safe Harbor Church. Uh, and be aware that if you're watching this rather quickly after it is uh, recorded, that we're doing three Christmas shows. And we're calling two of them shows because they're not really worship times. They're just Christmas fun times. First one's tonight, December the 9th. Then <clears throat> December 16th, uh, there'll be another one. And then uh, uh, there'll be a Christmas service, a worship on Christmas Eve. And all of those will be streamed live and then recorded and left here for you to watch. Remember, we are in Central Time. So tonight and on the 16th at 7 o'clock Central, that would be 6 uh, o'clock, I'm sorry, 8 o'clock Eastern. So 7 o'clock Central, we go live. Um, we'll only have a few in attendance because this is the age of COVID, so we're still going to get it out there, like we're doing these classes, which should start about now. Revelation chapter 12 is my favorite chapter in the book of Revelation. A couple of others, they're in contention, but Revelation 12 is going to win every time. That said, you need to know something. I want to throw flags in the air at this stage, um, not in celebration, but in caution because uh, there are some really, really smart people out there who disagree with me about what this chapter means. And there are some great scholars who disagree with me about what chapter 12 means, some of whom are my friends. Now, the fact is they also disagree with each other, but that shouldn't make you then disregard what they have to say. I think you should listen. I think you should hear other voices. You're going to hear mine on this one. All right, fair enough. We start with a brand new thing. There are no real trumpets here or seals, but we just ended chapter 11. <clears throat> oh my goodness. Chapter 11 with all kinds of struggles and lightning and hailstorm. What is coming? Uh, chapter 12. It starts out, <clears throat> you don't get a warm up. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars out the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child. The moment it was born, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Whoa, got my attention, how about yours? Well, who's this woman? Well, there's the problem. Um, 
Most scholars will say she's not an actual woman. She's a stand-in. She's a symbol for something else. And, and, and they make great points, by the way. Uh, they'll say she represents the people of faith. Other people will say that she represents the Jewish people or that um, she represents physical Israel giving birth to spiritual Israel, which is one of the terms that Paul used in his argument um, with the Judaizers of the early church. The, the, the Judaizers means that they wanted to make Christianity Judaism, uh, at least in large part. By the way, that continues. Uh, you still have Christians today that think God likes them better because he, they, they say Yahweh and Yeshua rather than uh, God and Jesus. And that if they, they know a few Hebrew words and a couple passages out of the Old Testament, God likes them best. Anyway, that this is a spiritual Israel thing. And, and there, this was a huge argument in the early church. So there's a lot to say about the way Judaism gave birth to Christianity and how that was a difficult birth. Absolutely. Gentiles flooded into this faith and they brought their Gentilism with them. Their, their rowdiness during worship, their loud women, ooh, you know, women with their own ideas, you know, uh, they, they, uh, they ate the wrong foods. They weren't keen on circumcision. You know, that wasn't really a baptism. They'd go baptism. Circumcision, that was a, that was a bridge too far, maybe, for a, a lot of them. It was, it was a real struggle. And so I get all of that. But if I may, I'd like to steer us another direction. I want to talk about Christmas. Now, again, if you're watching this the day it's recorded, we're only a couple of weeks away from Christmas. Literally two weeks from Christmas Eve. And I can't, I can wait because I love this season. We're one of those people that puts up the tree in November. And in 2020, it started going up the 1st of November because I think it's about time we showed 2020 who's boss. And we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna celebrate our Jesus. So we've been lit up and having a great time. I've noticed in our community, a lot more people have their lights up a lot earlier and a lot more lights. I think, I think this is a good time for that. But anyway, I love Christmas. And one of the reasons I um, I love Christmas is because I wasn't supposed to. I was raised in a family where my father, uh, what he said was law, period. Uh, it was a dictatorship, for, period. And he had been convinced before I was even born that Christmas was a plot by the Catholic Church to win over the true believers. This is serious business. I, I wasn't allowed to watch Disney movies because fairy godmothers, ooh, the Catholics have godmothers. And this is, uh, Disney movies are just a plot to make you more Catholic. We weren't allowed to get Christmas presents or Christmas cards, and if we got them, we had to give them back. If anybody said Merry Christmas to us, we would say we, do, we are Christians, we don't celebrate the Roman Catholic Mass. I mean, it was cult-like what we had to go through. And I can remember a few times as a boy when dad wasn't around and maybe mom was in another room and you only had the one telly, right? I know you call it a television set, but there's one, there's one, it's not a set. We're watching telly, black and white or monochrome. 
and I'd see the Andy Williams Christmas special. And all that was within my little heart cried out, adopt me. I want to be in this family. And even after his beautiful French wife divorced him and shot her lover to death, I still wanted to be in that family. And those, those, uh, those songs and the jammies and the laying around under the tree and everybody smiling at each other. Oh, loved it, but I had nothing to do with it. When I was first married, I wouldn't let my wife have anything to do with it because I'd been indoctrinated that this was, this was one of the tenets of the cult. Well, it was well-meaning. I'm, I'm gonna to have to give people, I don't think anybody did any of this because they were haters. I think they truly believed it. And therefore, God will count that for righteousness for them. But he did keep telling us in the scripture, don't, don't be against people who celebrate a day or don't celebrate a day. Leave people alone. Maybe we should have read those passages too. Anyway, my, my wife's family invented Christmas. Um, <clears throat> now they're, they're, they're not that old, but they're that skilled. I mean, every Christmas decoration you could possibly have that, that was tasteful because these people are people of, of taste and class. Uh, it, was, it was like, oh, it was amazing. And they taught me how to do Christmas because I didn't know. Their incredible patience and incredible generosity of, of my wife's parents taught me so much. By the way, my father passed away uh, not quite two years ago. And my mother has celebrated Christmas with us both years since. Yay. And it's fun to watch Christmas in a child's eyes and in an 88-year-old's eyes who had never seen Christmas and been a part of it. That's it. Why am I talking about Christmas? Because when I go through and I pass nativity scenes, I'm always going, well, that's sweet, but historically inaccurate. And you can't get the scientist out of me. Here's the problem. Well, there are several problems. One, they're almost always white. Have you noticed this? White people in Bethlehem would have stood out a bit. I'll give you that. And then they'll have the three wise men. The wise men probably made it to Jesus's house when he was two, around two years old. Because that was a target Herod had, if you remember later. They, they weren't there that night. And, and there weren't three of them. They would have come in a massive convoy because you don't take stuff from there to Bethlehem without a big convoy to protect you. Yeah, you just don't do it. And there weren't just three. Um, we, uh, the three wise men, people started seeing that because they brought three gifts, that's all. So there are a lot of issues. But there's also not a dragon. Yes, you heard me right, there's not a dragon. The oldest book in the Bible is almost certainly the book of Job. And there we see what Satan thinks of us as he walks in and out of the council of God. This eternal battle has been going on since God's plan was revealed. When God revealed what he was going to do to uh, send God, the Son of God, into, the, and into human form and then let humans kill him and then resurrect to defeat death and to be king over death and offer to us eternal life, the angels, some of them didn't like the plan. And Satan in the book of Job and all of his existence has told God, we're not worth it. 
We're just not, we'll only love God if he keeps pouring out the blessings. And if he slows down that tap even a little bit, we're gonna turn against him. We're no better than animals. We are not worth the plan, bad plan God. God did not appreciate that. And the scripture says that about a third of the angels fell. And again, that's not 33%. This is a Jewish way of saying a lot, but not most. And this dragon, this Satan, he'll be identified as Satan later in this chapter. Uh, this guardian cherub, as he is called in the Old Testament, say he's a big Lincoln angel, the biggest, most powerful one that rebelled. Um, he, he thought he was going to elevate his throne to that of God and tell God what should be done and what could not be done. And eh, not a good idea. Not check the classifieds, even the onlines, and you'll find that the job of God is not open. So we gotta let him be God. The books of Second uh, Peter and Jude both refer to some angels as being so powerful and dangerous that they are kept in chains to this very day. And you know what that means? No, no. I don't either, but there are some angels that God just would not let loose. I, I do wonder sometimes, because Paul said, there will never be a sin overtake us. And I, I love that phrase because not creep up on us or tempt us, but when just, it just overtakes us, overruns us in military parlance. Um, but that God won't provide a way of escape. And I wonder if some of these angels would be so powerful, they would block that way. But I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. There's a lot out there we don't know. But Satan knew the plan. Satan didn't like the plan. Satan bet against the plan and fought against God every single step of the way. Uh, I, I do a sermon about this called Move, Counter, Move, or Into the Dragon's Lair. Uh, it's all about, you read the Old Testament all the way through. It's God moving, Satan counter moves. God moves, Satan counter moves. All the way through in your life too. Every time that there's a good opportunity, Satan will move. He'll present a different opportunity or he'll hurt this opportunity or he'll mess with your, you know, it, he always counter moves. For every Mr. Right, there are a lot of Mr. Wrongs out there. Uh, one, one lady I heard say that she had been waiting so long, she was waiting for Mr. He'll do. I get that, I understand, I'm sorry. Um, but you think the Satan gives up counter-moving just because Jesus is gonna be born? Oh no, Satan knew the plan. He understood the plan. He knew where Mary and Joseph were going. He knew why. So he moves in. This woman, the sun above her, the moon beneath her, 12 stars around her. Uh, Roman Catholics have <clears throat> venerated loved, respected, adored Mary for, well, I guess, you know, about a millennia and a half now, if not a bit more than that. Um, Protestants, when they showed up about, what, 600 years ago, um, that, that whole thing started, it was really didn't get its grip till later. They, um, they reacted by ignoring Mary. Don't ignore Mary. I think this is Mary. I don't, I think it could be spiritual Israel. I think it could be all of that sort of thing. But this is Mary. It's Mary too. Or I think it's predominantly Mary and secondarily something else. 
12, um, if you're wondering about 12, 12 is a number in Apocalypse that usually refers to religion among the Jews because you have 12 apostles, you have 12 patriarchs, you have 12, um, 12 tribes. <clears throat> and that, you know, who the patriarchs and apostles and tribes are, that can be elastic, but the number 12 uh, represents them. So here he comes. The woman cries out, is giving birth but there's a dragon in the nativity scene. You never see that in a crisis as you drive by. You also never see the rest of their family. They weren't alone. They, they would have, this would have been a crowded event. I'm, I love the song Silent Night, but it wasn't silent. So dragon moves in to crush the head of the baby. We're just gonna stop this, Satan says, right now. We've had enough. But. He seems to have forgotten something. He seems to have forgotten that there's somebody else in the manger. Um, God has some other players on the field. Not that this is a game to God. Take a look. Verse, um, uh, well, the, the dragon was about to, the, but then, it, you know, here he's taken away. Verse 7, and there was war in heaven. We're going to look at that here in just a bit. You need to, um, need to remember Michael knows the plan too. The commander of God's army, whether that's Jesus or Michael or the angels know this plan and they know what Satan wants to do. And there is a huge battle here. God has players on the field as well. God does not look upon this as a game. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But while Satan has players, God has players. And you've got to remember one of the maxims of military wisdom is that if the enemy is in range, so are you. Satan forgot that. He got in range and Michael comes after him. If that surprises you, the book of Revelation actually has several angels that are depicted as being stronger than Satan. You know, they can grab him this way and toss him that way. So don't, don't give Satan more than his due. Um, by the way, some scholars, maybe most, believe that this dragon is the Roman Empire. And there is some truth to that. But we need to remember that the evil of the Roman Empire had a cheerleader and an enabler in the spiritual realm. Satan. Satan was driving that bus. Roman Empire... <clears throat> was endlessly cruel. Debauchery was their favorite indoor sport. An outdoor sport, now that I think of it, everything about it was corrupt and evil. It's, don't you know, you, people say, oh, look at the roads, they're very nice. You know, and look at the aqueducts, quite nice that is. Uh, they really knew how to build roads, but then they used those roads to march soldiers in and slaughter people. As uh, the great Celtic leader said, they make a desert and call it peace. That's devil work. And if we're, and if we're being honest, and why not? Symbols in apocalypses can mean more than one thing. This can be Rome and Satan, and the woman can be spiritual Israel and Mary. It can. That's the way apocalypses work. The child can be people of all faith, or it can be Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. Um, regardless of how you go at this, these stories apply here, there, and everywhere because they, we hear them where we are. 
and where we are, we're in different places. Uh, let me go off a little bit here. Um, if you thought I've already gone off, just very briefly. Um, when you had, when I was doing all the psych stuff, you know, you, you go through school to get your 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 um, your shrink license. Uh, we had to learn everything Freud taught, and then that was the first year or two. And then after that, we were told it, it's all wrong. It's all it, he faked this. He he. Um, falsified his evidence, he did. It's, Freud was a fraud. That's, that's a good way to remember it. He only came up with a few good things, actually. I'm not gonna go over those. I wanna go over one of the bad things. He was very obsessed with sex. You don't have to run your kids out the room. We're gonna be good, all right? He said that um, everything we did, from how we ate to how we dressed, to how we stood, to everything reflected sex. It was all about sex. I think he had it 180 degrees wrong. I think the reason sex is so important and powerful is that it reflects everything in life that matters to us. Life is not about sex. Sex is about life. He got it wrong. But it's all a matter of which way you're facing is whether you see that. I think the same when you hit the book of Revelation. It's easy to make it all about you. And you know something? The lessons learned here, you can apply to yourself, but it's not about you, it's about them. So we need to watch them and see what they would have heard. And they would have heard about a woman giving birth and not to upset you, but this was a common element in mythology for at least 800 years before the birth of Christ, there was this the heir is going to be born, but the usurper is already alive and powerful and coming to kill the baby heir. This goes all the way to the King Arthur legends where Merlin has to protect Arthur because the enemy's already come. The, he is, uh, the, the revelator is using a very well-known literary device but he is not borrowing from mythology. Because when people say that, they're not saying he's taking a set pattern or scene. They're talking about, well, he's just copying the, the legend of Apollos, who also uh, had to be born on an island of Dios because the usurper wanted to kill him. Four days later, Apollos was strong enough to kill the usurper. You see, it's not the same story. So again, just because we use the same words and the same set pieces doesn't mean it's the same story. Uh, God gave Satan a lot of leeway. In Job, he walks in and out of that council and kind of shocks us, just talking and kind of heckling what's going on. He goes after God's people repeatedly from Genesis to this point, and then something changes and there is war in heaven. Why? Well, some say it's because he was going after them, getting stripes from the sun. It's not prison, you know, I'm not in, not in Hollywood paint there. Um, hey, it's December 9th and I'm getting sun, I'll take it. Some people think the change is because Satan went after the fledgling faith and God had to make sure the faith, young toddling about faith needed to survive. And I'll give you, they got good arguments for that. But I think it's best to say that God's, God changed here and his tactics because Satan went directly after God's son. And that changes everything.
I have a strange hobby, um, I guess, for ministers. For, for years and years, and I haven't recently, but for years and years, I competed in pistol matches. I'm pretty good at it with a variety of weapons, <clears throat> mainly pistols, but also rifles. Uh, never did the skeet shooting and the clay thing, but I know weapons and I'm good with weapons. My son knows weapons and <clears throat> he's really good with weapons. But I've, I've never even hunted. I, I'm not opposed to hunting at all. Uh, I, you want to hunt, hunt. I, I'm, I'm all, you know, I understand the need to call the herd. I understand all that. So don't, no need to write me about that. It's just never been a part of my culture to hunt. Never had a father that would teach me. Never had anybody around me that knew how to hunt. All right. So what I'm trying to say here is, although I shoot a lot and burn a lot of powder and throw a lot of projectiles, I'm shooting targets. I have no interest in shooting people at all. Uh, I, I pray to God I never have to or that I never want to. That said, if you were, when my son was small and still at home and my daughter, still a wee girl at home, if you were to start chopping through the front door with an ax, screaming, I'm gonna kill the babies, my personality would change. I would go from this very sweet, kind, cherubic individual that you see before you right now and become some sort of howling banshee of death and destruction. Now, I can't do that with five, nine, and kind of thin body. I can't really do that, but I have weapons. And suddenly, what a... I, my personality would change. Now, to my pacifist friends, I understand that you are stronger than me in this. I'm not saying that sarcastically or with irony. Uh, I, um, I really respect my pacifist friends. I think that they are mighty individuals, but I'm just not one, all right? Now, I want to bring all that down to this. It took this, but Satan pushed too far, and there was war in heaven. Verse seven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil. Oh, look, we name him or Satan who leads the whole earth astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Well, if you remember Jesus in Luke ten eighteen said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And the, the verb tense he uses there is a really different verb tense. Seems to indicate um, that it could be he saw it in the future. Remember, to God, time is a very elastic thing. Um, it could also be a callback to Isaiah 14, verse 12, where um, this great ruler over, crusher of over many nations was thrown to earth like lightning. Isaiah 14 might be about the devil, but it's absolutely about a, a human ruler at the time. And again, things can be two things at the same time. So it could have been a double prophecy, but I'll let you decide. Michael and his army of angels come in to attack. Satan no longer has free range to walk in and out of heaven. And the Satan is now chained as in there's a limit to where he can go and what he can do.
So is it all good? No, no. Let's read chapter 12, verse 10. And we're going to go all the way through the end of the chapter and end it with Revelation 13, 1, because Revelation 13, 1 really belongs to chapter 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, very important, we're coming back to that, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I love that about people who are like that, who run to the sounds of the guns, who run into the fire, who run into the situation everybody else is running out of. That's these people. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, and woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil's gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. When the dragon saw that he'd been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who'd given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in a desert where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed forth water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. And now they're being, they're being defined. Those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. That's a cliffhanger, but we're not really done. There's going to be a very, very, very great persecution, obviously, a river of it coming. The devil's enraged, but God will provide them refuge, temporary refuge. That's what time, times, and half a time means. Remember, seven is complete and perfect. This is three and a half. Six is evil because it looks perfect, but it's not three and a half means for a while. There are people that make this um, the safety that Jesus had whenever they fled to Egypt. Um, you know, it could be, it, it, it could be that. I think it's a lot more than that. I think it's about the persecution of the church, how Rome in its death throes, it took, it took a couple hundred years for Rome to really go down and then another two or 300 years before they realized it. Uh, they even tried the Holy Roman Empire, which wasn't holy, it wasn't Roman, and it wasn't an empire. Other than that, it was very well named. Um, we need to wrap this up because we're at 30 minutes and I try to keep it under 30, but I, I, allow me a couple of more minutes, if you will, because I want you to remember Revelation 10. Satan is the accuser. His, his name means slanderer, accuser prosecuting attorney. Um, when we use our mouths to speak against others, to accuse them as if we were holy and pure, and it is only the sin of those others that God hates, we join Team Satan. We're not given the right to accuse our brethren. Division is a sin not a duty. I've seen Christian periodicals, uh, most of them gone online now, but 
still many mailed out. I've, I've gone to religious lectureships where the gathering of the herd to, to speak and preach, sometimes to encourage and help, but very often to quote, call out error, end of quote, in other believers. When we stand around calling out error in others, in writing, online, in person, we are doing Satan's job for him. I've been called a heretic several times in print, merely because the people who run the periodicals disagreed with me about the value of women. I put them very highly and their abilities and skills within the church, or because I'm not I'm not upset at instruments being used in worship or Christmas being celebrated. I have been called a heretic by these folk and they think that they're doing God's work, but according to Revelation 12, they may as well get a Team Satan sweatshirt because that's what they're doing. This broke my heart. When I first came back to America in, in the mid to late 80s, um, my dad, who's now with Jesus and quite surprised who else is, um, my, uh, and that's not said to attack my dad. Don't, don't come at me. We're all going to have some surprises. That said, um, we had, uh, days to fill, I guess. And he, and he said, Oh, I just came back from a lectureship. Best one I've ever been on. And it was on the book of John. Would you like to watch the tapes? This is the age of VHS tapes. You know, be kind, rewind. Well, I didn't want to, but I did. So the guy was given, each, each speaker was given one chapter in John. So first speaker gets up, John 1. What is not to love about John 1? One of the most powerful chapters in all scripture. And he didn't get to John 1. Uh, he made sure we understood that he believed the Bible was the inspired word of God, every single word of it, that he didn't like the modern perversions, he called them, that he stood against instrumental music and against compromisers with error, Marriage, divorce, and remarriage was just out of the question. He was doing, he was hitting all of the creedal points that we say we don't have, or we said we don't have, and they were never written down, but he was making everybody understand, yeah, hey, hey guys, I'm a good guy. It was just such a disappointment. Dad put in the tape for chapter two, same thing happened. He put in the tape for chapter three, same thing happened. As he's about to load four, I said, Dad, I, I really can't watch any more of this. Because, and he looked at me, he said, why? And I said, because the Apostle John hasn't even had an appearance yet. These men are terrified that somebody is going to say, oh, they're not sound in the faith. And therefore, to keep their jobs, their standing, they've got to recite the creed. And John is left beside the side of the road. What happens when you join Team Satan and think your job is to call out error in others is that it also makes sure that God never gets a chance in you. I know I used to be one of those guys. God forgave me. God's going to forgive them. We're, we're going to have eternity together to get along and it will be sweet. Let's start eternity now. Love one another. Merry Christmas. We will talk soon.
Cheerio. Well, here we are for Revelation 13, and we left it at quite the cliffhanger now, almost two weeks ago. Had to miss last week because of a cold, um, not COVID, just a cold. And uh, that's just, I, I get colds. Some people do. But sometimes it's still all right to cough without thinking you're dying. Revelation 13, uh, we left it at that cliffhanger with verse one, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. I always thought that would be a great way to start a, a story, a, a novel. Uh, it, it's honesty time here. It's generally well agreed that chapter 13, maybe, and chapter 14, but certainly chapter 13, are the hardest chapters to interpret in the entire book of Revelation, and that's saying something indeed. Commentaries that have um, four to five pages on other chapters will have 10 to 20 pages on this one. And most of them end up either sounding way too certain of a narrow interpretation, or more likely, they feel like they were written by an octopus because it constantly says, but on the other hand, but on the other hand, we, uh, we, we really need to step back here from the theological morass that chokes this book, and yes, this chapter in particular. Uh, please remember, copies of this book did exist. They were being circulated among the churches in Asia. Today, we would primarily call that Turkey and that surrounding area, but mainly Asia Minor. Um, there were copies and they were being read. But that said, the locals were not gonna have a lot of time to break out a thesaurus, a grammar, um, and grab all their other books. Please remember, their books were not in conveniently